and welcome to the Good Sports Podcast, diving deep into the world of sports and development. My name's David Terrace, and I'm joined by fellow Good Sports, Sarah Begg and Lee Booth. Hiya. Hello. A big thanks to everyone who's got in touch after our Jordan episode. We've got some great feedback, and we're delighted to be featured on the Sport and Dev website. Uh, you can get the link from our, our website. We're following that up with a, a, a shorter episode, a, a special on Mental Health Awareness Week, which has been this week in the UK. Sarah, do you want to tell us a bit more about the week? Yeah, so it's hosted by the Mental Health Foundation. And this year, they've been focusing on stress as the sort of central message for it. But I know a lot of organisations across the UK are using sport as a way to address stress and other mental health issues. As listeners all know, we're all cricket fans. And cricket has got a history of a lot of mental health awareness issues associated with particularly some high profile players. So Marcus Ruscothic, Sarah Taylor immediately spring to mind. And the organisation that I interviewed first up is a cricket organisation. It's run out of a cricket club that's literally just round the corner from me, but that is using cricket as a way to start to talk to cricketers about how they can take care of their mental health. I'm here at Sefton Park Cricket Club, joined by Mark Boynes from Opening Up Cricket. Can you tell us a little bit about the organisation that you're doing work for? Yeah, the campaign is to promote mental wellbeing and suicide prevention through cricket. And we've been up and running, this is now the fifth year, and the focus is on primarily working with cricket clubs and coaches and really anyone that comes into contact with the amateur or the recreational game to promote those two things. And how is it that opening up got started? Well, this project itself has been going for around about five years, but the origin of it goes back a little bit further than that. And the fact we're at Sefton Park Creek Club is quite useful for this. It all goes back to um, December 2012. We lost... um, one of our friends, uh, a guy called Alex Miller, to suicide, who, who played at the club, who was a teammate, a, a really good friend, and, and so on. Out of that, there was a lot of thought about what to do, what to try and do as a legacy or to help remember him and all of these things. So initially there was some fundraising and, and so on for a charity called Calm, a campaign against living miserably. And that went really well in the 2013 season, but as the season drew to a close, I started to think that be a shame to just leave it there and actually the issue that we come into contact with completely out of the blue in terms of our experience was that this is something that isn't talked about and the more we spent time looking at the issue of suicide and, and mental illness was quite a shocking statistics linked to it and the fact that Alex wasn't certainly the only person to have taken his own life um, the statistic which was as true then as it is now unfortunately is that suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in, in the country so we thought well okay th- that's something that really needs addressing because people just at the time just didn't seem to know that I didn't know that was, a, that was a thing and then we're thinking well the thing Alex enjoyed the most the thing which gave him the most pleasant diversion from anything he was going through was cricket so they kind of was thinking about it and there's a group who do the same thing essentially in rugby league called State of Mind who came and gave a, a presentation of a game we had and from there I just started thinking more and more about it and spoke to the guys at State of Mind some other places and said you know what about trying something in cricket and to begin with that something was just to try and go out and see some clubs and just tell them our experience and 
give them some idea about what happened so that maybe they can avert it in their circumstances. And it kind of went from there. Uh, the sessions got a little bit more than just sort of talking about the, the loss that we'd had more towards saying, well, what you can do to prevent that. And it's gone a little bit more towards actually how can we promote positive mental health. And the campaign's taken on quite a few different aspects of it as well. We've been fortunate enough to get quite a lot of pro players supporting it, a lot of coverage and buy-in from people in different parts of the country and abroad as well. So that's just kept things going without necessarily needing to push it because it comes back to the fact that the issue is just really important and it is overlooked and when people get introduced to it they often would think well why is it that they hadn't thought about this before seeing as it is such a such a critical thing so uh, yeah it's been evolving ever since that that initial prompt in December 2012 and it always keeps coming back to that that's the reason why I still want to do it um, as much as it's really really satisfying to see other people take on the themes and people talk about experience of their own clubs and how things have maybe improved or they've been enlightened about things it still just comes back to what happened here and the fact that we can't really forget that can you tell us a little bit about the approach that you use when you're going and, and talking to cricket clubs about these yeah these issues? We're, we talk a lot about mental health as a continuum or a spectrum or a line whatever works and saying that of course our interaction for setting up the campaign was from an experience at the very bad end if you like of mental health when actually just like physical health everyone's got it and it's a case of trying to give people some tools some tips some ideas signpost them towards things that can improve their mental health and to get people just to engage with it more broadly so it can be to improve performance it can be just to improve quality of life or whatever it is but just to get the conversation started and some players buy into it because there's elements that help with performance some people might like the welfare aspect if they're a coach or someone in a position of authority like that it always just comes back to saying right let's imagine that line in in our heads and the fact that people go up and down it and cricket of course is a sport which is just blessed for this because of how much of it is to do with your mind and your mindset and your mental skills I always say in the session Stephen Waugh said that cricket's 90% mental 10% physical and even if an amateur cricketer might not think those numbers are quite right it does make a lot of sense you know especially these test match players they've all got good techniques they've all scored loads of runs or taken loads of wickets to get there what separates them is what is between the ears if you like and then even at, at club level there'll be people who just seem to be like I know you like they look at them battle bowling and think oh my god you know you want to change all kinds of things of the technique but they make it work because they stick at it and they're durable and we always just pointed out that mental fitness or mental health, mental well-being, it all means the same thing. There's things there that can be trained and taught, just like you can spend a lot of time working on a particular ball in the nets or a particular shot to improve what happens physically. There's th- loads of things you can do to improve your, your mental skills. So we just try and stress that, sow the seed that mental health is something that can be interacted with any way you want, but we've got to, for good and for bad, interact with it at some stage. Can you talk about some of the examples of where you've used these workshops and how they've been received? Yeah, what we tend to do is a workshop will take place maybe after someone's training session on a midweek night or in a pre-season and we'll generally go through things which will relate to very simple mental skills that people can work on, ideally in their own time because you're not expecting a culture shift for what might just be and cricket clubs up and down the country exactly the same even though 
some clubs are really well run with a club coach directs and things and all kinds of dynamic field and drills going on most places you turn up to it is still just a net and people standing waiting to bowl with their arms crossed talking about something else to expect then to involve mental drills and things is probably too far in one go so we drop in usually three or four things which people can do in their own time what they could do as a group and they will see the benefit from if they if they commit to them so we talk a lot about the importance of meditation and mindfulness and and mention how some of the most successful sports people never mind cricketers of all time have based their game around that talk a lot about the process of gratitude and how being grateful or acknowledging the things that have gone well allows your mind to then scan for the positive and there's lots of data and stats from this study at the University of Massachusetts that says after 30 days of doing that, this process of gratitude, your mind starts to scan for the positive so you think, oh right, you've got some stats to back it up, we love it in cricket, some stats, so that goes. And then we press really the importance of physical fitness for mental fitness and that makes sense immediately to people. Some people choose to be really physically active some people choose not to be and cricket is is of course a sport where people who aren't physically fit can still be good players but we'd say well for most people if you want it to make a you want it to improve a little bit you try a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of the other so that's generally the kind of things that we mention within it and then we go through we're saying if that's about your mental fitness pushing that as far as you can we need to be able to recognise when maybe you're having a dip and when things aren't aren't so good. So we talk about the common symptoms of mental illness or or just a decline in mental health rather than something diagnosed. And we bring it to a close by saying, well, we've looked at all in, all areas of this spectrum. We mentioned the personal experience of the campaign. And just to say that the big message to leave with is you can do things to improve your mental health, to make you thrive, prosper, be good at your cricket, or if cricket's not the most important thing in your life, be good at your job, relationships, everything like that. But also, at the very base level, that groups of, of sports people, to be better teams, you need to talk more, you need to communicate. And communication is the single most important thing when it comes to helping someone who's experiencing a low or a dip in their mental health so that's what we try and leave people with a lot of positives a lot of things that you can do proactively if you go away and we get get quite a lot of people getting in touch and saying oh i did try that and yeah it's great and i do that and we, we try and do bits and bobs as a team but more often than not the comments will be from people saying oh well actually that's opened our eyes a little bit to some of the the bleaker stuff the more negative stuff and as much as we're trying to promote a really positive message you know, it's just as important to make sure that people are looked after at the other end of it. Yeah. So that's roughly how it goes over the course of about 25 or 30 minutes, yeah. Wow, so that's quite a condensed period of time that you're delivering that in. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting you use a lot of connections into actual cricket or professional athletes. Do you think that makes a difference in terms of how it's received by the players? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the things ones that makes them the biggest impact recently, you mentioned, say, Cristiano Ronaldo... Champions League quarter final had a penalty, that last kick of the game, so much pressure on him. And people in the commentary were looking, looking at him saying, he just looks so cool, he looks so calm, you know, how does he do it? And they don't follow it up. And I was saying in the sessions, I'll tell you how he does it. He's someone who, his most important part of his uh, preparation is meditation. He's got millions and millions of euros worth of equipment at Real Madrid, amazing coaches, some of the best players in the world around him. And that's a heavy investment. But the thing which actually makes a difference for him is something that he does on his own and doesn't cost him anything. Or he might download an app that costs a certain amount a month. 
but so those things make people go well actually Ronaldo I'm not going to be like him but if that's something he does and it's part of him being a good player I can do that for free so yeah I'll mention the, the, the cricket players we use Justin Langer quite a bit as an example he said in an interview that he's meditated since 1993 now he wouldn't have said that during the 1990s necessarily but now you look back and go for someone who had a limited technique compared to some of the players in his team makes sense that that's the kind of thing that, um, that would have done it so yeah you get that kind of authenticity the buy-in from people if you're saying well look the best players do this if you're looking to aspire to that or get somewhere near it then yeah you're not going to have all the staff that England have to be able to prepare you but you can do some things on your own and in your team that you will see the difference from we're in mental health awareness week tell me a little bit about what opening up might be doing around that what your thoughts are on it yeah without being cliched for us I suppose every week's mental health awareness week but what we're trying to focus on this week is a lot more stories from from supporters of the campaign so people are mentioning it quite a lot and maybe adding us in on social media so we're really making an effort to push that and say what the average person's interaction with it is and whether they view it from their personal experience or what they see in others, rather than perhaps just going along with the designated message of the, the week, which I believe this year is stress, trying to say, well, OK, what are other people's interpretations of it and what can we put in? So that's what we're looking at across this week. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm really excited and glad that we managed to get hold of you for an interview this week. It's worked out really well. We always ask a couple of questions for everyone at the end yeah. of our um, interview. So the first one is, what's your proudest moment in sport for development? I think, uh, again, it always sounds like a cliche. I think any time I leave a session or I leave a, an interaction and people have said that it made them think about it and they hadn't thought about it before, um, because that was the aim of it. And, he, and every time it doesn't get old as a feeling for someone saying, oh, actually, I hadn't thought about that and I'm going to go away and think about it, because that's the education aspect of it and trying to and then empower someone else to go and think about it on their own terms and then adapt it into their life. Yeah. Brilliant. And then... If we were to go and do an interview with somebody else, who do you think would be a good person for us to go and talk to? Um, I think someone who's got probably the most interesting insight to the, say, the mental side of the game and is also very entertaining with it um, would be Ronnie Arani. He was chairman, went back to Essex to do the chairman of cricket role last year and they won the county championship. And he put a lot of that down to what they did mentally and how they were organised. So he's got a lot of stuff that he's really passionate about in terms of team environments, what's acceptable behaviours and things like that. Um, and you can't go more than a few minutes without him saying something which will make you laugh as well. So, yeah, I think he's a, is a good guy for this kind of thing. Perfect. Do you have any social media handles and so on that oh, you yeah. can promote to uh, our listeners? Yeah, Twitter is at OpeningUpCC. Uh, Facebook's just Opening Up Cricket. And Instagram's the same, uh, at Open Up Cricket for um, Instagram as well. Brilliant. We'll make sure everybody goes and follows you uh, to see what you guys are up to. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. It was really great to meet Mark in his natural environment of a, of a cricket club. Lee, did you have any thoughts about that interview? What I really liked about it was the way that there were not just talking and not just focusing around the mental health side of things in terms of mental health issues, but they were talking about it from a point of view about how it can improve performance. So it was wrapped up entirely around this issue of, 
you know, cricket is a game that, well, all sport is a game, but cricket especially is a game where a lot of it's played in the head. And I really like the way that part of the focus is mental health side of the game that will help you get better as a cricketer, as a performer, but then also obviously the mental side of health and well-being on the mental side. So you really love the way that they incorporate those two. And that's quite an easily digestible kind of thing for cricketers, I think, rather than we, we need to talk about mental health because it's a good thing. I, I, I really like that. You know, I guess that's come down from elite sports. So that's kind of a positive thing that's, that's kind of come down. And I guess cricket clubs are communities, really. They're kind of small communities of people. So and you get people within these communities who are more aware and, and see the positive benefits of mental health. And it can only really be a good thing, can't it? Definitely. And I think that community thing is critical because you've got a group of people there who can also support each other in trying to achieve those goals with, with regards to, to mental health. Lee, I know you've now got an interview coming up that's almost looking at building a community. I have. And I guess apologies straight up. It seems that everything that we do is cricket, but again, that's our background. But I've just been working on a project here in Huddersfield, which has brought together quite a few different organisations. So a high school, uh, as well as the NHS and, and, and this organisation that we're about to interview called Creative Mind. So we've run like a, a six-week project using cricket for service users of the NHS uh, with mental health issues just all badged up as cricket for good but this is an interview coming up with creative minds who do all sorts of various things around the arts and around sport to to engage with service users of the nhs welcome to the podcast thank you kindly joined by alex feather from creative mind hello hello so could you just introduce what creative mind do so we're uh, an NHS-run charity, the staff are NHS, but it's a, it's a linked charity, and we do creative approaches in, in health, so anything under the umbrella of arts, leisure and recreation, but also sport and physical activity, which is why we're here today. The Good Sports podcast is, as the name suggests, mainly about sports, but I'm also really interested yeah. about other creative approaches as well, and I mean, personally, I see... Very little difference between the arts and the sports. It's social activities that brings people together. So could you give us a bit more of an outline of all of the activities that you do under Creative Mind? Gosh, it's a... It's <laughs> or a some of the activities. That yeah, 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 sure thing. So Creative Minds, when we started it, we asked people what they wanted to do, what creativity meant to them. And it was such a broad range of things that they came up with. So we've, we've incorporated anything that's under the umbrella of arts, the, the leisure and recreation, but the physical activity, because everybody's got different tastes and we wanted to cater for different tastes. So people do, you know, drawing, art, sculpture, creative writing, people take part in walks, they do lots of sports activity. We've got a sports and physical activity lead in our team. We, we take that stuff on ourselves. We get other organisations to deliver other stuff for us, but uh, the sports and physical activity is very much um, led by the team. So I think what's interesting to different organisations that we've, we've spoken to, obviously, is the NHS link. So is, is the funding NHS, is the NHS behind this? Is this a common thing throughout the NHS, or are you a bit it, of an I, outlier? We are a bit of an outlier. Um, the NHS has always done activity with people. It's always been a part of what we do, but we just wanted to do more of it. And this is very peer-led approach, because we ask people, what do you want? Not everybody wants talking and tablets. So this is about giving people choices. And it's a bit of 
a different approach I would say to a lot of different NHS organisations so yeah I would say we were a bit of an outlier because we've branded it we've put some funding into it as an organisation and it's working in partnership with lots of different organisations I think that's a different approach sometimes the NHS can be seen as a an organisation that people find hard to work in partnership with but uh, in our case that's something we live and breathe so interesting that so how did creative mind start then if it was you know, so you well, just set this it, up? it started a few years ago we had an artist in residence at one of our hospitals and we had some conversations about how we could kind of grow creativity within the trust we've got as i say lots of staff who are interested in it and certainly lots of patients who are interested in doing creative stuff it's the it's the kind of soul food into it? it's it's the stuff of life it's the ordinary stuff it's the it's the sort of stuff that they can do in their lives that they're not going to kind of get labeled or there's no stigma attached to it it's it's just about enjoying activity whoever you are what's coming out more and more in the people that we speak to is that the beauty of play and again play being sport to me being art being creative writing whatever that yeah. may be i think the physical act of just doing something with your peers is is, is good for you absolutely absolutely yeah people don't tend to talk about their conditions when they're doing these activities it's just people having fun together it's just spending time doing things that you enjoy and it doesn't really matter if you're not particularly good at it or you've had bad experiences of something in the past it's just giving it a try and seeing where it takes you really and also this stuff is stepping stones for a lot of people it's giving them some confidence and then that leads to other things so that's a really important element of it and there's lots of kind of opportunities within the projects that we run as well for people so they might end up doing a project but then leading another part of it or volunteering for an organisation or stepping into work or joining in other things in the community so that's very much a part of it it's not a it's not an end in itself for a lot of people it leads to lots of other positive things where are most of your participants coming from well um our trust in in kirklees has adult mental health services children's mental health services um older people's mental health services and adult learning disability services it's got some other specialist services as well so we're a specialist trust in terms of Kirklees in other areas of our trust Wakefield and Barnsley we do have services in Calderdale as well particularly in Barnsley we've got really quite a broader mixture of different services community services physical health services so we're not just a, a mental health and learning disability trust the projects that we run are largely for the people that we serve but sometimes there can be a mixture of different people involved in things and that that's good because it it's it helps to sort of tackle stigma really it depends on what the funding those other organizations where their funding comes from and who they're they're trying to also serve really yeah again i think ticking boxes that we've talked about with other people and which is sounding exactly the same here is it's about getting partners on board people who can bring specialist skills yeah it's also it's about getting everybody to play together yeah and again in terms of breaking down stigma i think sport and art are fantastic tools for that yeah absolutely i see connections with all of this stuff really I mean, obviously, people have their uh, particular schisms about what they actually prefer to do and everything, but I think just creativity as an approach, I think it's a very broad spectrum, and that's what people told us they wanted to do, so that we've just run with it, really. An area that 
certainly cricket without boundaries struggles with and i think lots of other organizations struggle with is is proving that these approaches work what methods do you go about to prove that we're working evaluation of the projects that you run well we asked organizations do a variety of things really so we can gauge from participants about how they felt over the lifetime of a project we can also ask the project themselves to do a project evaluation and they can use different templates for that sometimes our projects look at case studies some of them do quite in-depth work on evaluating projects we're doing some work around a participant research as well so doing it from their perspective so using creative approaches to kind of do their own evaluation it is quite hard stuff because sometimes the good stuff happens after something's ended and and they're taking that feeling forward and and doing other stuff and and sometimes that's when the magic happens so it, it is quite difficult i think the personal stuff the case studies are some of the gold dust in this really so for example at one of the events i run football fun day the carer told me that the person that had been participating that day was on the autistic spectrum and before he joined in football he didn't really communicate with people and he didn't really have any friends and he's doing both he's got he's got friends he's made friends and he's also talking so that for me if my job ended tomorrow (laughs) i wouldn't need any other evidence really that would just suit me just fine that's gold dust right there is is the stuff of life that's why i do that's why i come to work we we have exactly the same it's difficult things to prove but a collection of individual stories like that and anybody who works in this sector or volunteers in this sector has those stories i'm really keen on this idea of creative approaches to this mm-hmm. so this idea of getting participants to come up with creative ways to prove this and you talked about making films and and things like that to me are really interesting ways forward to prove this work is working yeah i mean there is an organization we're working with at the moment that produce films because that's an easy way people sometimes don't like writing you know riding by the sort of questionnaire stuff and and that kind of thing so we've got to find different approaches that fit people's needs about how they want to express themselves and sometimes films does it sometimes it's audio sometimes people do it in pictures there are all sorts of ways of collecting this information if you've got dementia if you've got a learning disability you've got to find different ways of collecting that gold dust really and you know so we'll try anything really yeah i guess it would be odd to be called creative minds and just be creative on one side of the thing but not creative on the on on the evaluation side yeah absolutely you touched on one earlier there but standard questions that we ask everybody is what's been your proudest moment working in this sector you might have already told us that one or you might have another story oh gosh that's a that's a big one i suppose it's it's when i get some thanks from someone that i've made an intervention in their life that has meant a tremendous amount to them that's the gold dust we were talking about evaluation stuff at a meeting i had with different mental health provider organizations and they were we were talking about how do you evaluate with whether you're doing a good job and i said uh, by the amount of christmas cards i get <laughs> that's uh, certainly where uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you know um it, it if you if you're getting thanks if people are appreciating what you do that's that's why i come to work really that's the gold dust for me wonderful and then the final question is obviously we're running this podcast on sport and development so who else do you think would be a good person to speak to that works in this field or a similar field? My colleague Mark Wisby, our sports lead. 
he lives and breathes it he works really hard on it he does it in his own time um, he's really passionate about it and he's you know he's come a long way in his own life and I think that's that's very much a part of it that's why he does it really wonderful Alex thank you very much for joining us let's hope we have more days in the sun playing some cricket yeah that'd be great it would indeed so really great to see an organization kind of tackling the the problem from the opposite end so opening up focusing on preventing people from getting sick and then creative minds looking at ways to help people on their way to recovery what sort of stood out for you in in your interview two things really for me were the main things what's interesting is the bits that we've talked about before on the podcast and the first thing was around how everything was driven by the needs of the users so they weren't just setting up things and saying come along to this this will do you the world of good they were saying you know what do you need what would you like and how can we help you you know achieve this so that was number one but really the the main bit for me was collecting the evaluation the evaluation and feedback of the success of projects and the creative ways that they were were capturing that information yeah i thought that was unsurprisingly you know how i love a bit of monitoring and evaluation that was really jumped out at me rather than allowing it to be something that we as service providers enforce on our participants actually asking participants how would you evaluate this tell us what your experience is in a way that works for you and I think the thing that's great about that is it helps us to sort of live the values of the organization that we are through the method of evaluation so for creative minds that meant that they were using a method that's creative rather than a method like a questionnaire which is inherently uncreative I completely agree. That's a great method of doing it. I guess it's interesting given their connections with the NHS you know, focused on on return on investments that NHS or CCGs, clinical commission groups tend to have, how they you know, how they measure the return on investment, which generally uses quite standardised kind of ways of collecting info. Is that, was that something on their radar at all? Or? Well, I think actually there is this sort of sense that there is a bit of a sea change. I've been speaking to some guys at Public Health England as well around evaluating our projects. And what they've started to look at is this more sort of community action research in recognition of the fact that actually for an intervention to be effective, it needs to meet the needs of, of its users. And it's kind of the same as this idea of personalised medicine, which is becoming much yeah. more common. So I think while there are still those tick box exercises, there is slowly this movement towards how can we actually find out more about the people who are using our services and this creative minds approach to it is really exciting. Yeah and um, I guess that links into the work that I do my day job which is around the kind of older adults and increasingly it's uh, instead of saying what's the matter with you it's what matters to you and this kind of idea of social prescribing i.e not giving someone a pill but giving them maybe a referral to a class or something that they want to do, which, which is, is increasing a lot. It's still not common practice. There's kind of pockets of good practice. But certainly the, the work that I've done previously with Age UK and, and certainly with UMF at the minute, it's, it's looking at how we can tap into people's motivations. And often physical activity is a hugely important thing. And often the biggest outcome is around mental health benefits, whether it be around loneliness or whether just quality of life we, we can measure. But certainly we found that 
there is still this tendency to kind of measure things in quite a standardized way. And, and certainly within the health system and also um, within academia, being able to compare against other projects is certainly seen as a, a benefit. So for me, it's great to hear that there is more of a focus on creative ways of measuring actually what matters to people. And I can give an example of that. We had a lady in one of our classes who turned up to five or six classes and said at the end, well, I can actually open the door now. My husband doesn't have to open it. And I mentioned it in our first episode. And you could never really measure that on a public health scale. But actually for that older person, that is the benefit. It's not about risk reduction of anything. So it's fantastic to hear. And it'd be great to hear from other people to see whether you know, they have similar experiences around monitoring evaluation as well. I think so. And I also think that if we could get the standardised test of whoever gets the most Christmas cards is doing the best job, that's the best form of monitoring I think I've ever heard, really. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> and the thing is, it's easy as well. OK, so that's maybe a measure that we're not actually going to be able to use in real life. But I think the key is to find ways to make doing this more creative approach easily. Because I think that's probably the thing that puts people off from doing it more, more than anything else is that they look at something like using drawings as a way of evaluating a project and go, that's really difficult. Let's send them a form instead. If we can make it easy and Christmas cards are a fantastically easy way to measure things. Why not? What's also really key, and we and I think this comes a bit round to what we were talking about in a previous podcast around the white saviour adverts and trying to get advertising and promotion from the participants' ends. It's participant stories and how we can capture those stories, use those stories, and it is the individual stories. And Alex talks really beautifully, I think, about the two or three things that really moved him on a personal level. And it was it's a bit like your story there, David. It's, it's the simple little small differences on a global scale, but the massive differences to individuals that are really important. Yeah, and I, I think it hasn't quite translated into the health system yet, but it's really encouraging to hear you, Sarah, talk about Public Health England's sort of change in, in attitudes. But um, I, I think funders' attitude is absolutely key. Um, and I know that you know, our project is funded by Support England and they require three kind of questions to be asked every time. Um, so you know, that's their way of measuring and, and that's fine. I'll get great results, but it'd be great to you know, open that dialogue about actually what, what else would, would constitute a robust evaluation. So some really interesting stuff there. Any final thoughts, guys? In the spirit of creative evaluation, Lee, I know that's the first time that you've delivered a block mental health focused activity. So what was your experience of that? That's a really good question. It's surprising how nerve-wracking it was. I would I would rate myself as a as a pretty experienced coach. Again, done lots of cricket coaching all over the place. Obviously, lots of work with cricket without boundaries. But as always, I was going into this. There was me as the only coach there. And it was as coaching can be, I guess. Session one was 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 nerve-wracking, was pretty terrifying to start off with. And a bit like we talked about in the Jordan special, though, what, what happened is what seems to always happen as soon as bats and balls were out and as soon as cricket was being played, everybody was just playing cricket. Everybody seemed to be just having a good time. Everybody seemed to get engaged. So again, the positive feedback that we got from some of it was some of these people who attended the session tend not to engage with things. And we had people who were were sat out a lot initially, but again, slowly over time became involved in the project and, and got coached into that. So I think it's, again, it's 
it's being it's just being able to push yourself out of your comfort zones to just try these things and realize that coaching is coaching it doesn't tend to matter who you are coaching once once we were up and running it was great fun brilliant i'm sure they had a fantastic time i've seen you coached you're always full of joy de vivre so another great example there of the power of play and it brings together really nice themes in in that episode talking about mental health but also talking about how we evaluate it and, and that kind of question at the end brought both things together. So I hope that you've enjoyed our little episode about Mental Health Awareness Week. As always, um, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, comments. We are also doing an episode on sport and development down under in Australasia. So again, please do get in touch. You can get in contact with us on Twitter at Good Sportscast. Or you can drop us an email, info@goodsportscast.org.uk. Or visit the blog at goodsportscast.org.uk. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and it's a goodbye from the good sports. Bye. Bye.